welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Tonight, I'm talking with Zoe Burnett. She is an experiencer and a writer and a witch, and she's soon to be a publisher as well. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to talk with you, Barbara. It's nice to talk with you. So what is it that brought you to my uh, virtual doorstep, as it were? Well, I've been an experiencer for most of my life, as far back as I can remember, but I had a very specific set of experiences that took place in a, in an unfamiliar place to me, and one of which that directly correlated with an episode I had listened to here, which is how I got in touch with you in the first place, and we'll get to that. But... I, when I spoke with you, it was all directed toward, or it was all centered around the state of Wisconsin, which is entirely, was entirely new to me. I'm born and bred Massachusetts for a lot of generations, and I never really foresaw myself going to Wisconsin for any particular reason. But as things happen, I found myself there, and that's in some... <laughs> Some high strangeness took place around that for what was otherwise uh, not typical, but a a modern romance type story, I guess, is how it started. Okay. Yeah. So it's it all started with my boyfriend, who I met on Instagram through a mutual friend. And he was commenting on my Instagram stories, so we ended up striking up a conversation after, especially I was, I, he kept messaging me and I was like, okay, who is this dork? And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I looked at his page and he, he did have a, pictures of himself, like for his profile, but he didn't have that many followers and he didn't seem to engage that much, which is already like red flags everywhere until I found a photo of him, like in some of the slideshows. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. All right. I can, yeah, I can truck with this. So we kept talking and eventually moved on to texting. And this started in September 2019. So not only was it a long distance internet relationship, it then also became a COVID, <laughs> COVID relationship. Right. And we were, yeah, we were texting for a pretty long time. And as we were texting, I don't know. I, well, I, I remember especially when lockdown happened and when COVID was going into effect and everyone was getting used to what was becoming the normal that I guess we're kind of used to now, maybe not, that there was just a surge of strange activity that went on. And it happened with me and it happened particularly with my boyfriend who I kind of, my, my life's kind of self-destructed <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right. I, I took the bad way. He took the good way. And I essentially COVID wiped out my living situation. I had to leave my job because I had to move back home and he was living in Madison at the time. So while we were talking he was living in the city but he's from a very small town pretty a village really by population in what an area of wisconsin called the driftless and to me that sounded like a neil gaiman book <laughs> yes yes 
so I he was telling me about it, and I I you know, I didn't really know much about Wisconsin at the time, so he really just told me about the area surrounding his town. And there were a couple spooky things that came up because one of the things we bonded over early was that we're both Aquariuses. So we em- embraced the strangeness in each other. And also it was a, there were like barriers that were slowly broken down because with an internet romance also, you have to be careful. And I knew he wasn't mm-hmm. like, I, I did it. I did digging and I knew he was who he said he was essentially. Right. <laughs> but Especially when you're like, I'm, uh, you mentioned I'm a witch, I'm a practicing non-denominational witch. And when you are talking to a guy, even an Aquarius guy, like, it's very hard to tell, okay, what's too weird? Right. <laughs> what, where right. can I go with this that isn't too spooky? But when he texted me with a picture of himself at a restaurant with a big mural behind him and said, what can you tell me about the Tibetan wheel of death? <laughs> I was like, okay. All cool. right. Yeah. So he was actually into it. And we, um, I introduced him to the strange familiars podcast. And so he's actually into the paranormal, which is nice. And he has his own interests within it. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that can also, that can be really nice, especially when high strangeness things start happening like they did. So for him, I had moved back home and he was looking to find a different situation because he was living, he had been living in the same apartment for a long time and wanted to get out of the city since his job was fully remote at that time. And he would go home for hunting uh, on his parents' land. He's, he hunts deer and turkey and all that. So we, as we were talking, all these strange things started happening around his hometown, like when he went home. And it lined up, there was, it started with dreams, I'd say. And it started shortly after his um, neighbor and colleague that he grew up with, who's a big landowner and farmer out there, saw a three-legged white dog on the side of the road. And it's the, it's a small enough town that everyone really knows like whose dog is whose, even if dogs, the dog is roaming around, people know whose neighbor the dog belongs to but he had never seen this dog before and it was like a white shepherd with three legs and at first i thought you know like i i I see a white animal or hear about a white animal and i'm like it's a ghost but it wasn't a ghost and despite the fact that when he pulled over it disappeared (laughs) Mm. and he found a bunch of shiitake logs that I believe he had planted and forgot where they were. So he found these shiitake logs that he and my boyfriend had planted and then pretty much lost. And after that happened, my boyfriend started having these strange dreams that took place underground. So he would be traveling underground. And the one that really sticks in my memory was with his, um, his mother. And they were all underground with a being that he described very much like the Twin Peaks man from another place, the little one. And he was not interacting with my boyfriend, but interacting with my boyfriend's mother and shape-shifting into different things in order to make my boyfriend's mother like clap her hands and laugh like a, like a little kid. Mm. 
which I thought was really strange. Mm-hmm. And this went on for a while. So I, I started thinking like, okay, what, so what could this be? I knew his, his heritage is mostly, and it's broadly out there is it's very Germanic and Irish. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are shrines, like there's a lady of the field shrine that we passed all the time. And it is a very different feeling, but I'll, I'll get to that. But his mother is the Irish side. So I first thought, okay, so your family's been there since the 19th century. You, they probably brought something over mm-hmm. from the homeland. That's what it sounded like to me. And he, he said, you know, probably that makes a lot of sense. But the dreams really didn't stop, and he kept getting all of these strange synchronicities, such as running into... He, he was thinking of buying a place in town, like, just for, like, a COVID flight, <laughs> because everyone right. was in the city, and he didn't want to pay rent anymore. So there were there are a few unoccupied buildings in the center of his town, including a three-foot 19... Or a three-story 19th century building, triple-decker, that was up for sale. And... It just had a for sale by owner sign on it. And despite it being like a population of around 300 people, he didn't know who owned it. Oh, that's odd. Yeah, it was someone who didn't live in town, I think. But he ended up running into his aunt that he's not close with and he hasn't seen for about two years. And he mentioned it to her and she said, oh, yeah, I know who owns that. I'll put you in touch. Sort of thing, Mm. which is not, you know. It's not terribly strange, but just the way it, everything lined up perfectly in order for him to buy this place and then also to have something to do out there because the colleague that I mentioned who found the shiitake mushrooms, he was setting up a land conservation co-op that they're currently working on. It's called Sharing the Land. And they are doing they're doing rather well, but it's all about conservation of hunting and game and land in this area which is rapidly being bought up yeah you know as in everywhere so when those things started happening and he was gardening and and at his parents house and things were going really really well to the point where he asked me like are you doing anything (laughs) and like am i pushing it in any way spiritually i was like no man this is all you and so as this went on, I started thinking like, well, I'm you, you're conserving the land. And I think any kind of spirits that are there are going to recognize that and help you along the way, which is really how it seemed to be going. Mm-hmm. And so summer, yeah, summer 2020, especially was just a very active time for him specifically. And I was just, I was watching it all from where I was, where I kind of, you know, in, in a wash in everything that was happening because I left, I had to leave my job in June of 2020. So after that ended, I was just kind of really involved with what was going on with him. Right. All the strange coincidences. It kind of wound down around the summertime. And I ended up going to visit him for real in January the next January, so January of 2021, this past January. And it was really kind of a flying leap for me. I had no, I had only been to Chicago in the Midwest, but we kept having strange things that would line up. Like toward the end of that summer, I kept seeing the triple digits 
everywhere. Right. Which hadn't really happened to me before. And I 666 in particular, which I know people are like, ah, ah but it, it wasn't, I, I don't subscribe to that. So it was just kind of like, huh. And then I mentioned it to him just in a kind of like, man, I keep seeing these 666s everywhere. And he said, you too. Mm. So <clears throat> just strange little things like that. Anything that could be really explained away, but there was so much of it and just so much kinetic energy going on that I couldn't ignore it for my right. beliefs and practices. So I ended up going to Wisconsin in January and it was like, I've been, I haven't really explored much of the United States. I've been to like the West coast and everything, but I've never really experienced the heartland or any mm -hmm. of the America. And it was just so different once we got outside of Madison than what I'm used to because I grew up like pretty much in the woods mm -hmm. for most of my life and I've, I've been in the wilderness like of upper New England <laughs> but the feeling of it was just so different like radically different than what I was used to like in we've got puckwudgies over here and all that different kind of sprites I think and Fay, for sure. Mm -hmm. But there, it really did feel like more of a ground spirit area. And I, I spent some time in a Waldorf school when I was younger. Didn't work out. But I did learn from them a lot of the fairy lore and the gnome lore, specifically. Right. So that, that was really more of the vibe I was getting. And even though we, we've been talking for over a year at that point, there were still things that like I like perceptions I have that I kind of held back mm -hmm. because you know I'm I'm really just meeting this guy in, for per, in person for the first time. I don't want to be like you know put my bring my crystal ball out of my purse sort of <laughs> sort of right. Thing. And when we went back to his house, like his um, we were heading back out to visit his parents, and he hadn't um, he hadn't sealed the deal on his house yet, but. As we were going back, I, there was a snowstorm, so we pulled over at this place um, called the Driftless Distillery. And it's this old converted mill, so there's a river running past it. But they have, and they have very strong gin that they make there. And I'm a gin drinker, so when I, when I know it's, it's strong, when I know it's strong. Right. But as, and I only had one martini, but as I drank it, I was just kind of like, I, I felt like anxiety. Mm. in a way I hadn't felt before and I mean I was about to meet his parents but it was kind of more than that I just felt weird like cagey and as we were dri driving home I uh, or driving back to his parents house we were driving through a snowstorm and it was the first ever time I had seen Amish on the road because there was a big Amish population around there so that was a little bit disorienting it was really like I knew I was in a new place in a different place but not like that that's when it really hit me right and we went to his parents house and it was a like it was you know a preliminary meeting with the parents his parents were lovely and we were staying in his childhood bedroom so the way his parents house is situated on the road there's it's like a ranch style house facing the road a cornfield and then there's a pathway going up to wooded hills like big wooded hills 
And then behind their house is a very steep incline into their land, which is also a wooded hill. So from his bedroom win- window, you look outside, all you see is a hill with a lot of trees. It's very dense. Right. right. So that night we slept in his room, at his childhood bedroom, and I kept like waking up. Like I would have dreams, but then I'd wake up and the light hadn't changed at all. Like it felt like I was waking up every five minutes. But when I finally got to enough sleep, like enough of a REM cycle stage where I could dream, I dreamt that we were traveling underground on some kind of four-wheeler. And like enough that there were Amish like on the roads that we were driving (laughs) as well that we had to like swerve around, but we were late going somewhere. And as I'm trying, there was, I think there was more of that dream. But that's pretty much the the gist of the dream was that we were traveling underground. And in addition to the um, the lack of time change, after I had that dream of traveling underground, I woke up and it was like um, they did it in the movie Hereditary, where it's like they'll they'll be showing dark and zooming in towards the house and then snap, it'll be daylight. It was like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I told him, like, before we got out of bed, I was like, I've been traveling all night. He was like, what? And I said, I just had dreams that we were traveling underground. And he was like, you too? Mm. <laughs> I just kind of like, I, I, you know, I was like, your leaky brain. I swear. <laughs> And so we got up and we went hiking. And one of the things about this area that I later learned and he told me was that it has, in in his town specifically, has over the years just a strange amount of a strange amount of deaths that took place in mysterious ways. Oh, oh, that's great. Yeah, so when I hear, and he, he kind of did it on purpose because he's read American Gods, so he was like, tell, like kind of like sprinkling these things out for me. <laughs> I was just like, mm. <laughs> because I, I love a good story. But for example, the uh, the place where his building is is looking out over a lake, and there was someone. There were two men who died drowned in that lake in like recent memory. One of which just he was drunk and he drowned and everyone thought he went home. So no one thought to look for him. Oh, oops. Yeah. And then another who just walked in. Oh, oh. No one knows why to this day, but he just Mm. walked into the lake. Okay. Yeah. And then further up the road is the, the spookiest one going from the town center where there's a house that you can tell was a general store but is no longer because sometime in the 80s there was a woman who came in and stabbed the owner of the house the shop in the house to death because she wanted to kill the demons inside of her oh no oh boy yeah i think that's the most extreme that i've heard as far as the deaths go in that town but of course these are things he did a similar thing where he didn't want to freak me out too much right yeah yeah no you don't list all that out like Mm -hmm. notice he waited until you got there to visit him 
yeah so you got attached to him and you liked him a lot yeah mm -hmm. i mean yeah. i can't blame him <laughs> if, he, if he really liked you but at the same time it's like oh that's just yeah that's, that's great yeah especially look and i i mean i've been like i said i've been all over and the thing is that darkness is the same everywhere yeah and when you're in a place like rural wisconsin the darkness is just that much extra dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So these were stories he was telling me as we were going on our nice little hike through the woods. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And we were, go we were going over his, uh, his colleague's property. So on his property, there are a few, there's like a cabin for hunting, a few stands. And this, we came upon this 19th century house that is pretty much, it should be condemned. Like, you can't go inside of it. And honestly, I wouldn't want to. Because we came up behind it, and it looks like the whole back of the house has been ripped off. Mm, no one's yeah. lived there for years. And it's it's a real shame, really, because you could tell it was at one time a beautiful house. But they used to know, the owner of the land used to know the family that lived there. And... Um, as we were walking around it, I was like, it, it was just uh, not even a creepiness of the place. And like, obviously it's dangerous to go inside, but I just didn't, I couldn't, I was looking at it. I was like, Oh, Oh no. Like just a bad feeling. Right. Right. And when we went out, we, we went to the front of the house, just kind of looking in the windows and you know how when you see something, but you can't, you see it with your mind's eye, not not your eyeballs. Right. That's most of what I see. Most, uh, I think, for as far as my perceptions go, right. that's much of what I see. Sometimes I'll see things with my eyeballs, but this in particular was not. I saw walking around inside a older, like a middle-aged woman with um, short kind of curly hair. I'd say probably like 30s or 40s era, maybe early 50s. Just kind of, I think she was residual because she kept just walking around and going up the stairs. Okay. But her, right. clothing, uh, her clothing was of that era. And as I was peering in, though, like just kind of looking at stuff that was still around, I looked and there was an older woman just staring at me. Oh, really, no. No. But just an older, like, low bun or low, low hair style, just like, not maliciously, but just like looking at me very intensely and i was like oh okay all right and then and so <laughs> backing away from that window yeah, yeah and I, <laughs> I i didn't mention this to my what pretty much my new boyfriend at that point because i, I was just like he's gonna think i'm crazy <laughs> yeah I, even to everything that we had talked about that you still it still takes a while yeah no, you, you don't know how much crazy you can let on to. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't want to scare people away immediately. Mm hmm You know, exactly. again, it's like him not telling you about the weird dude walking into the lake and mm. for no reason that anybody knew. It, yep. And, uh, oh, on, on that note, it's that happened. It was either the man who drowned accidentally or the man who did it on purpose that it was my his colleague's now property. He walked off his deck. Oh, that's yeah. just lovely. Yeah, it's just yeah. great. 
it's just great. And <laughs> heck if I don't think about it every time I look out the window when I'm there. But this this house in particular, so it's just falling apart. There was a beautiful like oak carved mantelpiece that that was just kind of laying um, laying on the side of the door, the front door. And I just kind of picked up picked it up and looked at it, and I was like, "You think you think you would let this let us take this?" Jokingly, I said, "Probably." And I kept it in mind for a while, but this this will this house will become significant later. Okay. So we went back down the hill, and we went to the. Uh, the triple decker which he then bought he hadn't bought it yet and as we went up to the third floor where he would be living it was another instance of oh dear we're like not as intensely but just a, in a we're being watched sort of thing and it made sense later when he showed me a picture of it it had been this building had been so many things in town um like a piano factory it had been a cafe or a, a little kitchen thing. And he, the image that he showed me was of a older mustachioed man with a hat. I was like, mm. he's still here. He's still there. And again, didn't say anything. <laughs> right. So we went back down and we went into the basement and <laughs> it's funny. So of course my family was concerned about me going to meet a strange man in the middle West. Yeah. Yeah. And it was at that moment in, you know, this 19th century basement where I was just like, well, it's now or never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Going into the basement, that could be the end of everything right there. Yeah, even yep. more so than like being being out there with this guy in the woods where I'm just like. With abandoned house. and Abandoned yeah. house. Like if, if he was going to do it, he could do it then. <laughs> yeah. It was a risk I was willing to take, and luckily he didn't do it. He did not. But um, I was looking down at the drains in the floor, which mm. aren't uncommon for the Midwest. No, no they're not that uncommon anywhere, really. No, but the, be, along with the general feeling I was getting in the house, I was yeah, but like, still. like looking down at them like, hmm, okay, and let it go. And of course, I learned later. Oh yeah, that used to be a funeral parlor on the bottom floor. Uh, I was like, uh, oh, oh no! <laughs> oh boy! I, I never uh. really spoke with our the downstairs. What became his downstairs tenants because they came with the house when he bought it. I don't know if they ever experienced anything. They never met, mentioned anything to him. But everything that I ended up experiencing in that house. I don't think was related to the funeral home at least. Well, that's good. Yeah. But I, I really want to know with them and you couldn't tell anyway, because they have a lot of little dogs that you hear throughout the day. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. So I, I ended up coming home to Massachusetts and he came out to visit me uh, in Jan in June. And then slowly we both decided, okay, I guess I'm coming out to see how this goes and see if we can live with each other for more than a week in right. a real setting, which is very right. Important. So right before he, but right before I came out, he had another dream. And I, he, he told me about this dream about a week before I came out and I just kind of forgot about it. He, there's a place near there called Lime Ridge, which if, for, the, for those of your listeners who have come from Strange Familiars land, like 
lime kilns there's something going on with them yeah yeah they're weird yeah i don't know what it is there's a lot of that out there or there was because like most areas now most rural areas it's the industry's gone right but the strange thing about his dream was that lime ridge was a basin and within that basin was a desert and within that desert, there were these, what he called, stick figure people. Like, just black stick figure people. That he couldn't really make out any features, just... And they were, like, kind of beckoning to him. So, I thought, Dan- well, that's a weird dream. And pretty much forgot about it. And that will become significant later. <laughs> so, I get there, and I feel the same things I did. And especially after he had told me about taking a nap after he moved in and seeing a man sitting at the foot of his couch in a chair. A chair that doesn't exist. Okay. He brought his chair with him. Mm -hmm. It's very polite of him. Brought his own chair. (laughs) Good. And this was about the time where I told him, yeah, that's what I felt when we got there. And he, to which he responded, why didn't you tell me then? And I said, because he's just watching out. He's seeing what you want to do because he's renovating the top floor. He's just right. what you do with the house. It's not a big deal. And so the way that the top floor is situated, it's you go up a flight of stairs to get to the back. It's in the ba- the flight is in the back of the house. And when you first come in, there's a little kitchen area with two bedrooms on the left hand side. You go through a, wa- a hallway that enters into the living room with the bathroom and a little office on the right, which is which faces the road and the lake. And there's just a lot of activity right between where the kitchen and the hall the hallway meet right. to go into the living room, and that's where he saw a man chair. There's also, and this kind of occurred to me later. That's where the central heating vent is that goes mm. up. Right. And it wasn't anything malicious. It was just very much a feeling of someone else being there. Right. Nothing nothing too strange. But I w- what I get a lot for perceptions and everything, and this happens any any place I'm somewhere where there's activity, I get like kind of walked up on mm-hmm. or I like like they will kind of test to see like oh this one can see us and like wave their hand in front of my face or something like that that's happened right and nothing really happened with throughout like the first couple of months it was or the first month it was just kind of getting used to my uh my boyfriend's two dogs the two dachshunds one of which (laughs) is definitely some kind of ancestor. Right. And he's a very intelligent boy. He's he's probably about two years old, a rescue, but he's just the strangest dog I've ever met. And I've met a lot of dogs. So that's we're that's still undergoing. We're still trying to figure that one out. But he really came along at a time, as most dogs do, when he was really needed. Right. And I feel like he has a perception of things like before I arrived, Chris's or my boyfriend's leaky brain popped up again because he had a dream 
that he was being attacked by crows. And when he woke up, his dog was barking. Mm. So the dog's got something going on. We don't know why. Yeah. But after I moved in and I just kind of was seeing things out of the corner of my eye, nothing, nothing too weird. Some stuff, some stuff would go missing. Like both of us lost our wallets at one point, multiple times. And we're just not, that's not, we're not the type of people where that happens. His wallet was the strangest and it's, you know, people lose their wallets, but we looked everywhere for that stupid thing. And where does it end up? It was on his parents' property. His mother s- slipped on it in a place where we looked at least three times. Of course. Of course. And so that was just very strange. <laughs> just little things like that. Right. So we were... and. Getting used to the dogs as well. Like I had never slept in a bed with dogs, so I had to, like I had I had right. slept much. And we were renovating the um, we were renovating the living room and tore up the nasty old carpet that was there. So the couch was currently in the kitchen area near the front or near the stairs door. And he went out for some reason, and I was laying down on this uh, on the sofa and I kept feeling as often happened like you know that feeling when someone's trying to be quiet as they walk by you if you're taking a nap yeah I got that a lot just walking back and forth Mm. and by then I had kind of gotten used to it I mean at that point I think I had already seen I'd seen a shadow figure standing next to the bed sometimes thing like I'd see figures coming from in our bedroom through the crevice between the ceiling and the wall because Mm. the walls weren't original to the wall it it used to be open concept before it was converted into an apartment so right all of the walls are just kind of like separations Mm, okay so that would happen and i think that kind of stopped when i looked right at the shadow figure and i've seen them before in my life and they're always unsettling but it was standing so close to the bed and I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> like rolled over. <laughs> like, I'm not, not doing this right now. I'm like, it was the first good night of sleep I had had. I was like, Ugh. that's enough. So I was kind of used to just feeling that sort of, that sort of activity at that point, especially around me sleeping. But it was a combination of that and just working on the house and all that where I just, I knocked out completely like, dead sleep for probably two hours. And during that time, I had a dream about my boyfriend and I going into this high school. And it I, I later went to his high school that was in town, and it was kind of like that, but not exactly. And as we were going in, it was in my head is we were going to some kind of homecoming event. Right. So as I went in, we both went in, And there was no one around, but we could hear activity in the back. And as we got further and further into the high school, there was um, confetti in primary colors littering the floor, like just all over the place. And the further we got into the building, it was kind of like the movie Monkey Business with Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers. Right. Where we just became more and more childlike. Oh. Yeah. Like not physically but in our behavior to the point where we were like tussling on the floor <laughs> which my boyfriend's six five i'm not tussling with nothing yeah and 
but as we got further in, we started seeing people and they were just kind of circum, you know, walking around. No one I recognized, but I remember being on my knees, like kind of play pushing him. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around and there were two figures coming towards me that looked like African sculptures come to life. Oh, wow. Whereas they, they like had the long, um, like, like wooden carvings, like they had the long, uh, skulls and the elongated bodies, but very thin mm-hmm. limbs and extremities. And I say African because they, I mean, they were very, very dark, almost black. But I say African because of the, uh, the um, adornment they had. It was all gold. It was just very much like what I've seen in museums. And they both, right. they, the other thing is that they had spears. Ah. So it was a definite kind of patrol. So as we were walking, they were walking around and I got out of their way and they didn't really see me. But I moved anyway. And I kept just kind of seeing them around until we eventually left the high school and I woke up. And I was just kind of laying on the couch staring at the ceiling until he came home a few minutes later. And I just said to him, I saw the stick figure men from the basin. Wow. Yeah, and I, I was just kind of like, I, I hadn't, I completely forgot about that, that dream he had. Wow. And yeah, so it was, I was trying to think about it. I was pondering it. It's like, because, you know, they're all Germans and Irish and in, in, in Eastern Europeans. So I was like, what was that? And then I remembered he mentioned to me, there used to be a large African-American population out there. That's fascinating. Yeah, there's a cemetery nearby that is uh, the mostly um, African-American um, interred. So they brought, I, I'm, that's my assertion. I, I totally buy into the American gods way of thinking and that people mm-hmm. bring things over. Yeah. And they're still there because I've, I've seen, unless it was like a Pukwudgie type of thing where it's more Native American, but this felt like just the jewelry in general, the gold. Yeah. Was. Puckwedgies aren't generally described that way anyway. No. And they don't have that kind of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, spears, not so much. Bow and arrow, yes. Mm-hmm. But not, not long lances. That, that wasn't even a, you know, Midwest to the East sort of woodland tribe kind of thing. Mm-mm. That was more in the, in the West with the horse tribes. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, to, to that, that prairie, like they had the only, the only adornments were gold. It wasn't uh, as, you know, the prairie suit, like the feathers or anything, nothing like that. Right. So that's, that's what I, that's what I kind of determined with that. And, it's, it's a shame because there really aren't any African-Americans living there anymore. So they're just kind of walking around I, I, patrolling, it seemed. Um, yeah, still still puzzling over that one a little bit. Yeah. But the it was strange how we, we were being more childlike and it was similar to when his mother was... Clapping her hands. Clapping her hands. And just, you know, strange things like that. So, yeah, when I told him that, he was as freaked out as I was because <laughs> it's just, so, you know, it's just odd. And we, so we were, 
kind of just going on as usual. I, I was traveling around Wisconsin a bit because I, I sell vintage clothing along with everything else. And I was just picking up on different things. Like my friend and I were planning our uh, publishing company, which we'll talk about, but I kept getting signals about that. Like uh, we can, we can talk about that a different time, but cause that's its own odd set of synchronicities. So right. there was something in the air, something was happening and it revved up definitely when we got closer to Samhain as it do. And you can really just feel it in the air in so many ways. And as we were like right before Samhain, I was going out with him to his deer blind, which is on his parents' property. And I remember, I remember I was ready for it when we went, uh, when we went back out there because we had hiked it on my initial visit, which was just so, so much of a, like the thing about the, like kind of forest spirits I have around where I grew up are very trickstery mm -hmm. and very like playful in a way. But because I think I, a lot of where I like where I grew up is a lot of like English population, like mm -hmm. English heritage population. So is my family. But with his woods, it was really more of a like, ah, oh, what's this now? Mm -hmm. Sort of um, feeling of, OK, what did you bring into our forest now? <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh. And I, I've never really encountered that i've never been to germany i've never been to, I've, I've never been to ireland either but um it was a very just uh, like an othering experience like i did not feel mm -hmm. I, I, and it, it was one of those times especially just being out there where like i didn't look like anyone <laughs> as well so it was just that they, like they they knew they knew immediately right and it's it's just an all-encompassing feeling in there in their woods so that brings us to what I initially contacted you right. about. <laughs> I was sitting in the deer blind with my boyfriend and I had just read Kiki Dombrowski's book on scrying. And I don't usually, I, I, I do tarot and I do like kind of random divination. Like I pick up on things in that way and, and interpret signs the way I see them in, in real time. Right. But I've, I've never really tried scrying too much except for like the bloody mary thing which backfired terribly when i was a kid and i never did again and that that's how you learn <laughs> yeah that's that's another story um but i had uh, we were sitting in his deer blind it had been a while and the, it was kind of an overcast day and the sun was starting to go down full disclosure i had taken a small edible mm -hmm. which didn't have hallucinogenic effects. It was just kind of a calming thing with just a, I, I can't take too much THC because it's too spicy, too spicy for me. But I do believe that that sort of thing opens up different channels. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't, when people ask, oh, well, were you stoned? It's just like, not re not in the way that you think. I wasn't hallucinating. Right. But I was sitting and I just kind of, I kept seeing things like even before I had taken the edible, just like movements and I'm attuned, like he's the hunter, but I'm really attuned to the woods. 
in mm-hmm. a way that you are when you grow up in them as a kid. You just see movement and your eyes are drawn. Right, right. And I kept seeing across the road from the uh, decline of the hill we were on, like a, like someone, as though someone was adjusting themselves. Mm-hmm. And my eyes were drawn to the fi- the picture I had sent to you of this. It looked like it was roots, like tree vines and roots that had clumped together in the shape of a man that was just yeah. kind of hanging there like a scarecrow. Yeah. So my eyes kept getting drawn to that. And I was like, mm. <laughs> like, I don't like it. And then closer to us was a, a clump of three trees that had grown up together and I just kept getting this feeling of someone standing there. And as I looked at it, I made out, I, I, could, I made out just like, it looked like someone was up on the tree, like standing against it, just kind of trying to blend in. Like mm-hmm. I could see the outline of things I've seen in Arthur Rackham illustrations, but it was just standing there. Like it wasn't moving, but it was a similar thing of like, when you're in the woods and fall, you hear everything. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a crackling. So I didn't really think about it too much. So, uh, and I was just looking out in the woods because I had finished the book. And I started hearing like kind of a chanting in my head, which happens sometimes. Like you hear voices, but just this one phrase kept coming into my mind, like like an intrusive thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't speak German, but it sounded far more like, to me, like some kind of dialect because there there's the Dutch out there, but it's, I hope somebody may be able to make sense of it because I wrote it down phonetically. <laughs> it was uh, and you know, you know, that could be Gaelic as well. You think? Yeah. That, may, that would make sense too. Gaelic is, you know, Maybe we should ask Morgan Daimler because she, she, uh, she does old Gaelic as well as new. So of course, you know, she wouldn't expect you to spell it correctly, but (laughs) good. (laughs) But listening to it, it sounds to me more like Gaelic than like German. Mm. Yeah, it could be. I, I don't definitely don't rule it out with, uh, the influences there but I kept like my eyes kept getting drawn to that so I was just kind of like I was in the headspace and I was hearing this and I was just kind of like all right let's see what we got and I remembered on the episode from Kiki when you talked about using your your locked phone screen as a scrying mirror right so by this time I was admittedly feeling the edible a little bit and I was like okay because I was starting to get a little bit spooked just by everything that was going on and So I was like, all right, let's see how this works. And I started, I was holding my phone in my hand and just kind of like centering it. um, So I I could see the trees above me. And I was just kind of going clockwise. I don't remember how many times. And we hadn't heard my owl friend yet that day. We have, I'm, there's a a clutch of, or a, a group of guard owls that grew up around my house. So I always kind of clue into them. And one of the first times we went into the woods, a barred owl called to me. And I called back. Right. And it was an instance at which my boyfriend said, like, I know you, I believed you when you said you were a witch. You don't need to show off sort of thing. <laughs> and 
so when I was doing this, we hadn't heard my owl friend and I was just kind of looking at it and then my phone uh, circulating, look at the treetops, didn't see anything. And then I start, I centered in on my face, looking at my own reflection. I had a ball cap on, so I, my eyes were completely blacked out. I couldn't see my own eyes, but I could see the rest of my face. Mm-hmm. At some point during looking at my face, I just kind of drifted out. Like, you know how you do when you go under for hypnosis or meditation? Mm-hmm. I just, just gone. And I, it couldn't have been more than like 30 seconds that I was gone when I started hearing like a whirling around my head, like something was flying around my head. And here's me thinking, okay, well, this, this is me. I'm, I'm centering in on something until my, I hear my boyfriend and we're in a deer blind. So we've been quiet for three hours at this point saying, what the F is that? And (laughs) I opened my eyes and I look, I looked down and like, I didn't see anything, but I could still hear it. And it was loud. Like something was flying in a circle around our heads and I, I said to him, like, I'm sorry. And then I just looked at my reflection. I said, I'm sorry. And <laughs> like, just kind of like, oh, no. And it just, it stopped. Like, it eventually stopped. But like, you could hear the trees rustling and everything. And we just kind of looked around and there was nothing. And it sounded like, the way he describes it was a, like a huge bird landing in the treetops above us. Mm-hmm. And then fly, like, but he didn't hear it, like, really fly away. Right. So, like, we looked, and he was, like, looking around, like, I've never seen his eyes so wide. <laughs> and, uh, we, we, we went away slowly after, but I was just like, uh, I just, I think I just summoned something. <laughs> and when I, ha- so when I ordered the Kiki Dombrowski book, he saw it on the coffee table and said, no scrying in the house, please. <laughs> So I guess I'm not allowed to scry in the woods either. <laughs> yeah. So owls and witches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Strix being Latin for an owl. And in Rome, there was stories of the Strix bird, which was the bird that brought misfortune and, but wisdom too. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course Athena was associated with an owl, um, but also misfortune, mm-hmm. um, and of course in in modern Italian strega is from the same exact root as Strix, and that's what a witch is. Mm-hmm. And luckily, there was uh, it was not a bearer of misfortune. You know, no, no, but I don't I- think it would be for you. No, and I've had, I've I've always had owls, like, owls have always been a thing for me, and I've had my run-ins with Athena. <laughs> We're good now, but we've had our time, and I have, and especially because I have Mediterranean heritage anyway, mm-hmm. so it was not, like, I didn't feel threatened, it was just kind of like an, oh no, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> What door did I just open? What mm-hmm. what happened here? Mm-hmm. I have not sat in a deer blind since. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Now the the different tribal people in, in, of Native Americans, it, it, 
an owl is misfortune or an omen of death to some tribes Mm -hmm. and then in others it's it's completely different it's it's a bringer of of knowledge or a bringer of wisdom or it's a shape-shifted human Mm. um so sometimes you have uh sorcerers and sorceresses who can change into an owl and fly around um so it you know you can't you can't put your finger on owl and always go oh well that's an evil omen or whatever Mm -hmm. you always have to take into account where you are and who you are and that's why i always you know i always say to people it's what you make of it it's what you know, if you get a really horrible feeling from it, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, well, then it's probably not. And in that context, I, I one of the only reasons I've ever wanted to get the um, one of the genetic testings done is because we do have Native American heritage in my fam- on my dad's side of the family on both his mother and father in living memory, but mm-hmm. we don't know what tribes. And right. yeah, and, and for my, I know for my great grandmother, it was fairly recent. It's like, at least within the past two generations on my dad's side, but uh, yeah, we just don't know. And with that particular instance, it kind of occurred to me, like I was, I was skeeved out by the tree men. They freaked me out. Like it just felt scary. Yeah. And I don't, I, you know, you know, we when you live in this stuff so much, you it takes a lot to really get scared. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to get to a point where I was just like, mm, I don't like it. And I feel like the owl perhaps was a protective thing since she was circling. I feel she, because, with mm-hmm. Strix, that she was circling us. And I felt a she when I was there. Right. So, so there was that. And I, I didn't go back. Plus, it got cold. It got cold. <laughs> it got too cold for me to sit in a deer blind for hours. Yeah. But yeah. And after that, it was just like kind of strange things in the house. I didn't really, um, I didn't really journey into the woods much more after that for many reasons. But the, the things that were happening in the house, especially on, um, on and around Halloween were, like I would be in the bathroom, which is right next to where the the vent, the heating vent is, and I was brushing my hair with the one night with the mirror facing behind me, and I thought my boyfriend had walked like out of the room and was going to use the bathroom. So I turned around, nothing there. But then, and so I was like, "All right." And then as I turned, like you know how when you, if you want to like. Sp- go boo to someone and like jump out from behind a door and just be like, Rah! yeah, like I heard it. I heard foot sc- feet go bam, like, and just saw something enough that I was like, Ugh. Oh, <laughs> don't be playing and, with her like that. Jeez. Yeah, it was, it was playful, but I was just like, Oh, come on. <laughs> so, um, leading up to, Oh, well, I'll, I'll get to the actual Halloween cleansing that I did, but the, the thing that was another just a strange chain of synchronicities that happened, we went back to Madison the day before Halloween. And just for like a day, day in town. And 
<laughs> we went to one of the St. Vincent's there, which is great. It's one of those those places where you always find good stuff. Right. And I was walking around, they had the 75% off Halloween costumes racks. And not really looking for anything in particular. And I turned a corner and on the end of one of the racks was a wedding dress. With a there's a bunch of them, but this one I know from my vintage selling and collecting was 1950s in champagne satin or silk satin. And like it had the um, buttons down the back, like that right. You so I grabbed it and I was just, like, it was in okay shape. Like it's missing some buttons, but it wasn't stained. It didn't have anything. So I, I brought it over and it has a, a very similar ruching on the front with the buttons that coming up the front and quarter length sleeves, big train. It was with a princess seam, pretty much everything I've ever wanted in a wedding mm-hmm. dress, which was real strange because yeah, I've, I've worked for vintage magazines and like, I see the recreations and like, they're just not exactly right. So right. I, I kind of pulled over and I hung it up and I was inspecting it and there was a little <clears throat> staining on the train. And as I was looking in it, I saw a tag for Priscilla of Boston, which it is not around anymore, but that used to be one of the most sought after brands around here like all all my grandmothers know it my mother knows it and it was just so I was just like what? I think I said a lot how did you get out here yeah that is interesting yeah and the strange one of the the strangest personal things about it too was that my I have a friend who is also in vintage but he his grandfather was the lead designer of this brand. Oh. Yeah, back way back. And I sent him pictures of it and I was like, will you look at this? It's Priscilla Boss. He's like, oh yeah, my grandfather definitely designed that. Like Oh. Very <laughs> yeah. It was for it was during his tenure. He's like it like it looks like, like his design. Yep. And it's just so bizarre. And that was just one of those rare days where, like, everything lined up, everything went well. We went to David Lynch's favorite bar, the Tiger Bar, which I totally recommend because it is a place from another time. And as we were leaving town, like, I, ever since meeting my boyfriend, I've, you know, been seeing the the triple digits very frequently, like, with mm-hmm. frequency I'd never really before, mostly on license plates. And... As we were leaving the city limits, someone drove past us, which with 333, which is three is a very important number for me. I'm born on the third. And then on the other side of us, someone pulled out and it said ZGB on the license plate, like not not as a vanity plate, but like within the sequence of numbers. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) I get it. Wow. So, yeah, just totally strange. Oh, and the best part about it was that the dress was originally $15, but because it was on sale for Halloween, it was $4.20. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, and my poor boyfriend, I I had also picked up a skirt that 
I tried to cover this armful of satin I was carrying. (laughs) What is that? And I was like, don't worry about it. Don't look at it. (laughs) Of course, I ended up telling him what it was. And he was like, okay, stop being weird. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I quickly concealed it and just kind of like sent it home covertly. So he didn't see it anymore. But it's, uh, yeah, so that that's currently, that's an upcoming project because it, it really just, I have a friend who works in theater and she offered to renovate it for me. So nice. Whenever, whenever it'll be ready to go. Nice. So, yeah. And so that was just a strange thing that happened the day before Halloween where I did a little cleansing, just kind of like a, a recognition of everyone in the house. Like I put out some offerings, you know, set up my crystals, lit a candle and just let it burn out. Um, at one of the Amish grocery stores nearby, they had the little, uh, they had little votive candles. So I mm-hmm. bought those and did the whole thing. Say, um, smudged the apartment with, uh, some local herbs. They had like, sa- uh, sage. And I bought it. No, actually it was rosemary that I bought from a crystal shop nearby, locally grown. Uh, for remembrance and just, you know, just saying we, we, right. see, we know you're here we're happy to live with you. Like we're just trying to make this place better, which they already knew about my boyfriend. Right. So I just kind of made it official. And after that, the activity died down a bit. Good. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't nasty before or anything. It was just kind of like they were flexing in Mm -hmm. a way they didn't have to. It was like, it's fine. But then something it then it kind of came back so this is one of the strangest things i've had happen to me in a lifetime of strange experiences i was washing dishes one night i had my headphones on um, my wireless headphones with my phone in my pocket and anyone who has the patreon app knows that sometimes if you like if you press the wrong button or something, it will start, uh, the podcast will pause and then start up again and then start playing another podcast right. for it. Right. A really annoying feature. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. And so, and, and my, my headphones have the sensors that if you take them off, the podcast you're listening to or whatever will stop. Mm-hmm. So I adjusted them a little bit and they turned off. So I was like, oh, so I had to take my glove off, get my phone out of my pocket and I pressed play again. And when I pressed play, I got a, like, there was something playing over my podcast, like a, a, a tune. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to it and I paused the podcast and the tune kept going. And it sounded like, like Steamboat Willie, like the whistling. Oh. But it wasn't the Steamboat Willie. It was um, the tune of Do Your Ears Hang Low. Oh. Yeah, like, and it sounded like crackly old, crackly old stuff, um, like played on a record or something. Right. But I was just looking around and I did have like, I have an old alarm clock that I had just set that in, in my other pocket, but it's from the 50s and has no, no bearing on Bluetooth. Right. And I looked, I, I opened my, my apps. I didn't have any other apps open. So I oh. don't know. I have no idea how this was playing. Oh dear. And, and it wasn't like spooky. It well no, it was very spooky, but I was just like, what? It, it went on for like 
I want to say 30, 20 to 30 seconds, the tune. And then it dropped off and it sounded like uh, when, um, like I heard voices, but then like they were garbled, like going slowly. Like it was a conversation between a man and a woman, but like if a record's going slowly. Oh. And then it cut off. Oh. So I was just in it. For a reference, where the the sink is is right near the entrance to the um the hallway that goes from the kitchen into the living room. Oh, that's weird. It was so weird, and it wasn't again. It wasn't didn't seem malevolent or malicious. It was just genuinely one of the strangest things that's ever happened to me, and I still can't explain it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. That sounds like some kind of weird EVP business, but you were not broadcasting or recording or any of that. No, and the podcast I was listening to couldn't have been farther from a paranormal podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird. It was just so strange, and to this day, I cannot, I can't explain it. And we didn't even have like, um, my my cell phone service doesn't have a good signal there so Mm -hmm. it couldn't have been i don't know what it could have been and uh, private private wi-fi whole deal so never had anything like that happen to me and then the other thing and this is when it started getting a little bit more like um spooky like when i started to be like "Mm," because I'm, I'm just checking I, I know i wrote it down i had to for all of this i had to like make a list <laughs> of yeah, everything no, that, I, that makes perfect sense that's a lot of stuff it's so much and there's more <laughs> <laughs> I, and with the that same night it was um like i didn't really think about it because i was i didn't feel scared i was just like that was re- that was weird and then i went to sleep and by then I had gotten, like, a hold of my sleeping. We decided to crate train the dogs. So that that was wonderful because they were, you know, his his doc, dachshund, the weird one, would honestly, like, tap dance on my butt at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how bad it was. Yeah, no, I have cats. I understand. And, yep. Yeah, and he yeah. would, one of the, I think the spookiest thing he's ever done would, would like, he I'd wake up and he would be on my chest just kind of, like, looking at me. Oh, jeez. I was like, yeah. what are you doing? Um, but anyway, so we had them in the crate, and I was I was out. But I had this, this dream that he and I and his colleague that owns the land where the house is were walking in the cornfield on, um, across the road from his parents' house where there's a path going into some trails that go up into the woods. And it was around dusk at the, at the time of the dream. But as I was walking towards the woods, I saw something, I, I saw something like right at the tree line mm-hmm. that was again, like pitch black. And of course my mind didn't, didn't go to the um, African stick figures again. But as I got closer to it, I saw that it was a man sitting in a chair, but both he and the chair were burned completely black. 
Oh, no. And again, I don't get spooked out that much. But when I woke up, like, I was scared. Yeah, that's that's creepy. It was very creepy. And I, you know, I know often things are, you know, are trying to tell you, like, when you see something like that, it's like you're trying, they're trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine what, like, I'm still trying to piece that together. What, what whoever that was was trying to tell me something. Because it wasn't like, it wasn't like our man chair who was just sitting in a chair watching my boyfriend sleep, which is weird. Right. But it's yeah, not, that's bad enough. <laughs> it's bad enough. And it wasn't like, that's, that's not malicious. This felt just like, like a weird, it was a bad feeling. So I woke up, that happened. And it kind of like, when I think about it, it, it being on his colleague's land as well, it, I feel like, it kind of came together with what I then learned about the abandoned house. I was about to say, was it having to do with the house? It was. And then it, you said that. Yeah. And it's still, it's not close to the house, but it, that house is like right over the next couple of hills. Right. So I, they were having a big event, a hunting event, and they were in the farmhouse that's, uh, on his colleague's farmland, just kind of hanging out. And it was a night, I just didn't feel like going. I was, uh, it was a long, like a week of events. So mm-hmm. I, w- I was burned out at that point. I was just like, I'm going to take a night off. And of course it's the one night where his colleague, the landowner, started telling people about the house. Oh. So the people who lived in that house, like, were in my boyfriend's and his uh, his colleague, who's my boyfriend's dad's age. Like, they knew the family that lived there. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, the way that my boyfriend described, they were dirt poor. And when you're dirt poor in, like, in rural Midwest, any rural anywhere, really, it's like, there's no escape from that. It's just cyclical yeah. and... yeah just the kind of negative energy that comes from that there Mm -hmm. were there were rumors of abuse there was incest possibly there was like there may have been a murder at some point maybe two in that house and when my boyfriend's colleague acquired the land a a retired teacher from the school district who had known that family said, why don't you just burn it to the ground? Wow. Yeah. I forget why he hasn't done that yet. There, It might have something to do with, like, toxin. I mean, it's all asbestos at this point. But it might have something to do with that. It would probably, like, ruin the, the land. Because he right. can't burn it. And it used to have, apparently, a bunch of, uh, like, old, crackle, creaky, like, uh, old uh, oak trees and stuff that vultures would perch in yeah which makes sense because it's at the top of the hill but like it just adds to the picture of this it makes it real special you know (laughs) yeah and so my boyfriend came home and he told me like and he had been texting me about it and i said okay tell me everything and he's and i said but first is there an old lady involved and he looked at me and he was like, how old? And I was like, 
you know, 50s or 60s, but hardened by living. And he just kind of looked at me and he was just like, she didn't die in the house, but she died under mysterious circumstances because she just ran away and then somebody found her. Oh, no. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, she's, she came back. She's still there. And he... He's like, can you die in a place? Can you die elsewhere and then come back to a place? It's like, absolutely. And she yeah. is still there. So after my boyfriend and I had explored around it that uh, the January before, there was an incident there where the neighbors that had bought the adjoining property called my boyfriend's colleague and said, can you please do something about your dog in that house? It's driving us insane. And my colleague was like, we, I don't have a dog and no one lives there. So they went to check it out. And this place, like, it's filled with raccoon poop. It's, you know, I, I'd be afraid to walk in it. Right. But somehow a, uh, a St. Bernard got upstairs and got itself locked in a room. Oh, no. And this is how we know that there was something going on because there are locks on the outside of the bedroom doors. Oh, my God. So the poor thing had made a huge mess of itself, like was like looked really sick. It had been there for days. So like hungry, tired. But they got a hold of it and they brought it outside and they were like, what the what do we do? (laughs) Like, whose dog is this? What do we do? And then the dog the way that they described it just seemed to collect itself and walked away. Like just ambled away. And much like the white three-legged shepherd dog that never been seen again. um, No one knows. If someone has a St. Bernard in your town, you know, you know, yeah, Yeah. it's like, Oh, that's so-and-so's dog because it's huge. Yeah. But Dog just walked away and they let it go because they thought, well, it must be someone's nearby or something. And they have only since seen it on a game cam. Wow. Maybe yeah. somebody dropped it off. That's what I was thinking. I and, and me being me, I'm very like I get upset about animals. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah, and I'm just like, why didn't they go after it? And they were just like, Well, you know, they they're about they're the perception towards animals and cats in general there is very much more farm perception. Yeah, yeah. Which I understand. Like, I, I know. I don't agree with it, but I I recognize it. Right. So, um, some more of my boyfriend's colleagues, hunting friends that were there, they started, two, two women specifically, they were like, yeah, we went in there and didn't make it up the stairs because when you walk in there, they said... It feels like the Blair Witch Project. Mm, nice. Yay. Yeah. And then they said, we we didn't go upstairs because there was raccoon poop on every stair, but also there was a feeling of someone standing on the stairs that did not want us to go up. <sighs> yeah. And I, that, I, I was confirmed in all of my feelings to just not go inside of that house. We also learned of a friend of my boyfriend's who during this time this events because we were all mostly hanging out together every night we learned that he is like he he mentioned um 
being antsy around a Ouija board that they have like just out in the um, kind of in the entryway of the uh, the farmhouse. Just kind of like they have them there with like all the skulls they found around. No one really lives in this farmhouse. It's right. just kind of like a, a bunkhouse for when people visit. Mm-hmm. But he was like, oh, I don't like those things. And then he went on to tell us all these stories about like his grandmother visiting him when he was his dead grandmother visiting him when he was young. And all of these like he would see his grandfather's ghost in his kitchen, all this stuff. And I kind of I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, did you know he was a medium? And he, my boyfriend was like, I had an idea. And I said, does he know he's a medium? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah. So I don't like, I just don't know what's going on in these, in, in this, this one area. And it really is in the drift list itself. Like I, I have a pretty good sense of direction, mm-hmm. but I got turned around there so many times driving on, like, it's just highways, mm-hmm. which I'm also not used to coming from where I do. Right. But it, it's just highways and intersecting highways. Like I try to like, take a shortcut home or like get to a different place within my boyfriend's town and I'd end up on the other side of it. Yeah. And like, that just doesn't happen with me. I usually, I'm usually very good with directions and so stuff like that. And then like the final thing that happened a few days before I left for home was we keep the door of our bedroom closed at night and this was after like things had pretty much died down. It was a couple of weeks after the headphones incident where I just really wasn't thinking too much about this stuff anymore. Cause I was preoccupied with, um, with packing and moving stuff. And I was having a dream where I was talking, I was in like a conversation with someone. And then I heard a woman's voice just saying the letter E like E E E, as though she was reading it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is that? And I woke up and it didn't stop. Oh, oh no. I, I don't like that. And so I, I, I listened to it. And I'm like, is it one of the dogs? Because one of the dachshunds is older and she snores. So I listened very carefully. That's fair. That's fair. And she was snoring, but out of sync with this sound. Oh, okay. And it was like person height right next to my bed <laughs> and i it was an ins- I'm, like it was a complete auditory i could hear it just e e e and i had never heard a woman's voice before in this whole situation it had just been men but what got me the most is that the the sound of it because I, I was trying to tell myself no it's got to be one of the dogs like it has to be the sound of her going e e e like got smaller moved down toward the floor and i could hear it moving and then as it got it moved toward a wall <laughs> that like the far wall of our bedroom that i know has it's it's there's another room in there my, my boyfriend found it after he moved in it's only partially opened. You can you can look inside, but you can't see much. Oh. And it moved into the floor and went away. 
But then I heard the same thing again as I had heard after the whistling on my headphones of voices that sounded like when you put the needle down on a record and it start, it's just revving up. Right. But, but it didn't get faster. And it was just a conversation happening. But it and, was at a slower speed than it should be. So everything was deeper mm-hmm. and stretched out. Oh, boy. To the point I couldn't understand what they were saying. And then it just went quiet. So that happened right before I left. <laughs> oh, man. So now tell me about this house, this 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 room thing. that There's a room that's there, partially there. What's going on there? It's a whole separate room that mm-hmm. when whoever renovated, whoever badly renovated the room or the the apartment before my boyfriend moved in they just brick they closed up the wall so there's like a a crawl space but it's rather large and it's above what is the downstairs apartment that opens up to the front door of the house that we don't have access to so that that's one of those where i don't want to be there when that thing's opened (laughs) I had to, when he, because he told me that, he had told me about the room that he found months before. So I knew it was there, but I always just kind of had to not think about it. Oh, man. And now I have to not think about it even more, especially when I go back, because it's just like. I, yeah, no. I don't want to, like, and I, it's just so odd. And it's not, when you think about it, like, they knew I was leaving I don't know if they wanted to send me off with a bang, because they certainly did. <laughs> but I was just like, it, it, the fact that it was a woman, too, was just so strange, because I had never come in contact with a woman before in that house. 333 EEE. 333 EEE. No! <laughs> You're right. I wrote them down. Because I've been mm-hmm. writing down as you as you talk. Mm-hmm. Z-G-E-3-3-3-E-E-E. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And 333 and E-E-E are backwards. They're mirror images of each other. What does it mean, Barbara? I don't know, but I think it's somewhat significant. For sure. You know what it kind of sounds like? This weird... The slowed down voices... It, it makes me wonder if you don't have some sort of time anomaly happening where you have time periods sort of brushing up against each other mm-hmm. at times. And oh, I, I would absolutely believe it. One of the women who she traveled from the West Coast to come to this hunting event, but she had been there before and she's she's tuned in. Let's mm-hmm. say. But even she, and she knew when she was coming out because she had hunted there before. But she said to me, like, time just moves so differently out here. And it it truly does. It's, yeah. It's something I've never experienced before in, you know, in Europe and anywhere else I've traveled. And with the name of it being the Driftless is just like such a liminal space yeah. time. Yeah, that's that's very strange. And in addition, I remembered um, why I brought up the gin distillery in the Driftless. 
because my boyfriend and I went there and we're usually, we're very community. We, we've had practice communicating, but we went to the Driftless gin distillery and midday we, it was a weekend. So we just popped in for like an afternoon drink and it was like, we got mad. Like we were snapping at each other in a way we don't. And it just felt so like I, I immediately got there and I felt like I wish I had never come here. Oh, which is not me. Yeah. And yeah, just just combinations of stuff like that and the way that the river like the river running past it. It's just there's something going on out there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it very definitely. Yeah, you know, that just that sounds really, really strange. Any lights in the woods? Not that I experienced, um, not, and none that my boyfriend has mentioned either, but his his colleague's a funny guy, like, he's just, he's very practical, he's a hunter, farmer, comes from many generations of farming stock on that land, mm-hmm. and he'll, I, I can't imagine what he must have experienced, because he just, he, com- he just comes out with this stuff. Mm-hmm like out of nowhere, but then we'll always like be like, nah. So I can't imagine what he's actually experienced. Yeah. <laughs> he just hasn't yeah. told anybody about, but it's, and it's, it's hard to like pull, pull that out of people. So you mm-hmm. just kind of have to wait. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely my experience with, you know, my farming family that, that, you know, if you get them to talk and you get them going, they will tell weird stories but you know my grandpa oh yeah we saw a big light flying you know and it it flew over the high tension lines over there you know and well it just it just hovered and the line started to glow and I just watched it and then it flew away and then I saw it again what you saw it again you know so he would yeah weird shit like that and he'd mm-hmm. be like oh yeah we saw that yep yeah these things happen yeah and same same with the dog they just let it go like it's a saint bernard <laughs> yeah that's that's strange that's just weird i i yeah but mm-hmm. i can totally see my my grandfather and some of my uncles being like, oh, it'll go home. Mm-hmm. You know, think, well, but what if, okay, never mind. I, okay. How did it get locked in up there then? What, what was that? Yeah. And was I was it the kind of lock it could like lock itself in or, you know? I, I didn't get like complete details. I don't think it was like a sliding lock, but it had somehow just gotten itself stuck up there. And you know how. Some dogs are like they can go upstairs, but but they don't. They're afraid to go down. Yeah, that's what I thought of first. But then my um, my boyfriend's hunting colleagues told me about the thing that it wouldn't want didn't want them to go upstairs. Mm, yeah, and I was like, mm, some messing with that dog. Yeah, that that's new. Yeah, I wonder if he could talk to a a fire department and have them do a controlled burn and practice on that thing and just get rid of it. Yeah. I think, I mean, that would be my suggestion, but 
you know, who knows? And when the house came up, I had kind of like joked with my boyfriend when I first arrived about like, hey, maybe we can go back and get that mantelpiece. But then I, I thought about it a little bit more and I was like, I don't mm, want to. Maybe, maybe not. I don't <laughs> wanna... And I, I said that to him when he mentioned this all. And I said, notice how I never talked about going back to get that thing. And he said, I did notice. And I thought it was strange. <laughs> I was like, well, nope. Nope, not strange at all. Nope, uh, very sensible. Uh, uh, yeah, that's. Ugh. Yeah, it's just, and it's it's very sad. And like you you do, in some places where there have been cases of abuse or just like something terrible had happened, like you can feel the sadness. Mm-hmm. This wasn't sadness. This was just like toxicity. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's nasty, and no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you if you did get the you know fire department to come out, I I would be tempted to say, okay, go out there with a big bag of salt, make a circle all the way around it, so whatever burns stays inside that circle. Yeah, because yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It it, it looks so decrepit the house itself that I'm just waiting for it to fall down. And there's nothing really in there that I think anybody would want, except he did mention there's a cabinet upstairs that I haven't seen. That's just kind of like a folk art, probably not quite tramp art cabinet. Mm -hmm. That's like a corner somebody made there. And my boyfriend's colleague said, like, that's the only thing I'd want out of that house. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, don't. No. You don't want that. I don't, I don't even think painting something like that. I mean, mm, no. Yeah. And even his friend who I, I, from what he told us is a medium, even he was, we kind of, when we were all hanging out on the last night of the event, he was saying, I can't go near that place. Like, that place just scares the crap out of me. And it was late at night with uh, the friends who had also explored it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said, we should go right now. And he just said, no! (laughs) 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 Like, jumped out of this chair. This six foot five guy was like, no way! (laughs) I'm joking! No, seriously, dude, I would not go. It's okay. I wouldn't go in there in broad daylight. I don't even like we drove past it at one point and I was just like, mm. like yeah. I could feel it coming. Ugh. That's never good. It's never good. That's Ugh. just, that's nasty and uh, yeah. Too and, creepy. Yeah. So you just get, you get strange things like that in that town all the time. Like just kind of, there's a, a cemetery atop the hill, which you can see everything and it's beautiful. Like Wisconsin is beautiful. It's a gorgeous area. There's farms, there's homesteaders, you, you know, the whole thing. And it's, it's lovely, but that particular area, it just, it feels different. Time definitely moves differently. That's interesting. <sighs> That's really, really interesting. Mm, and I mean, I'm going back sometime in May, so uh, you may get some more <laughs> more emails from me. We'll see. Yeah, that's that is so strange. Mm-hmm. And I, I've written it all down. It's all journaled. 
I, t- I keep a daily Good. So someday it may all make sense, but right now it's just kind of a lot of... Uh... <laughs> a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yep, and all different kinds, too. I'm still the three-legged dog. The three-legged white dog. That That also is just... That's such a distinctive animal that you'd think somebody would know. Mm-hmm. And I've asked him... I, I had to confirm with my boyfriend because I mentioned the dog and he, he said, don't forget it's three-legged. It was three-legged. I was like, and I had forgotten that. Hmm. Which is an odd thing to forget. And at the beginning of this past summer, I, I kind of joked with him. I was like, well, keep an eye out for that three-legged dog. Because things, the synchronicities around there for him especially tend to ramp up around the summertime. Hmm. Just strange, strange little things. Uh, right. But... I haven't been out yet in the summer, so I guess we'll see. Well, something to look forward to, for sure. For sure. Mushrooms, little men underground, uh, strange dog happenings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the... the, Slowed down voices. The dogs in particular, like, with the... Yeah, it's... Between his dog who's definitely my, my assertion. And when he came out to visit in June, we visited with a friend of mine who's a tarot reader who did a reading for him. And she had the same stance I did really, is like everything that is pointing you towards your project seems to be pointing you in the right direction. They appreciate what you're doing. And if it's not bad or freaking you out, then I'd say embrace right. it. And she confirmed my feeling about her dog, his dog specifically. It was like, oh yeah, that's either he's an ancestor of yours or he was very recently a human. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. even, even just faces he makes, like he looks like a little old man. Oh yeah. He's very cute. He's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes, but then he's cute. So it's like, it's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's those are pretty much my Wisconsin stories. And while I was out there, in addition to hustling up the vintage treasures of the Midwest, my friend and I started a publishing house. Let's hear about it. It's called Old Saltbox Publishing. And it's a revitalization of Old Saltbox Publishing Incorporated, which was a local publisher run by a man called Robert Ellis Cahill, who, in addition to being the sheriff of Essex County in Massachusetts and a state representative, was also one of the first paranormal investigators that I can think of in the past 50 years. Right. As far as uh, being an experiencer and investigator goes. So... His book, Haunted Happenings, was one of the first paranormal books I've ever read and was therefore one of the most influential books in my life that was published by Old Salt Box Box Inc. And over the years, they've kind of disappeared Mm -hmm. because he he passed away in 2005 and they just kind of went out of print. The original publishing house was dissolved in 2014 it by defunct because they just stopped right. the annual reports so i mean i've been unemployed since technically since june 
June 2020. Mm -hmm. So I had been, I've been working with Etsy, trying to, you know, making money that way, doing my vintage stuff. And I was just trying to think of ways to build revenue, find, find some kind of direction because my, I'm trained as an art historian. I have, that's what my master's is in. And anyone who works in museums and art galleries and auction houses knows yeah exactly why I don't have a job yeah <laughs> yeah so just trying to pair my love of all my interests in one and this this idea occurred to me because I had given an extra copy of haunted happenings I had to my boyfriend when he came out to visit and it was on his desk and I just kind of I was thinking about it and then I have friends who live in Salem who like Salem's very important to me because I had I have family from there. I spent a lot of time there as a kid. And I we were talking about a separate business and then I remembered I had thought about months back about possibly doing a like maybe we that like that could be re revitalized or that his books could be reprinted because you, they're the type you used to be able to find them in bookshops and antique stores all over the place mm -hmm. but i hadn't seen them in years so i remembered i had spoken with my friend lauren devora who is a, a novelist she um has a couple of books out the a series uh, children of lilith and recently came out with a book called my friend mothman which is a YA novel about a young woman in uh, Point Pleasant who is friends with Mothman. And Excellent. I had spoken with her, I think it was actually the new year, 2021, New Year's Day, because I had slept over her house. And I, I talked to her about the possibility of this, but then it just kind of fizzled out. So when this idea came about, I looked it up and I saw that the company had been defunct and I checked with the, here's a mouthful, the secretary of the Commonwealth of the treasury of Massachusetts or no, the secretary of the treasury of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is the full title. I checked with their office and I said, would I be able to open up an LLC with a similar name to this company? And they said, absolutely. It's unclaimed. So I looked into that and then I approached Lauren about is the saying like we talked about this thing once and i think it might be uh you know a good project to have if anything just to get these books back into print because they were very important to me as a child and i think they like a new generation needs to read them because it's the paranormal is of such great interest now way mm -hmm. more than even when i was a kid so his uh and they're they're very accessible they're not very long he he was a, <laughs> a massachusetts dad so he didn't didn't write with bad language <laughs> right and it they're just very easy to read you can read them at all ages and his investigation work is pretty solid because he was a policeman <laughs> right so when i told lauren about this she said you know, I've wanted to ha have my own publishing house since I was six years old. Well. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I had kind of forgotten about it with the conversation we had, but she felt very strongly about it. She's been publishing through Amazon, which it has been, she's been very successful. And as we were thinking about it, we were talking it through, and when we were getting ready to 
publish uh, or launch our website and make our LLC public. We did it on Halloween day. And I designed, and she, she's also a practicing witch. She's a tower reader. And I designed the logo because originally it was just kind of like a, a clip art or a stock image of a old salt box architectural picture with like some great, and we are going to re put that back into practice because the old logo is great, mm-hmm. but we just wanted to update it a little bit. Right. So I drew what was the original salt, old salt box, which was Robert Ellis Cahill's actual house that he lived in. And I, as a kind of nod to him and to what we were planning to do with the publication, we, decided to draw a little ghosty in the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and before we did that, we Lauren, I was in Wisconsin at the time, so Lauren went to his grave, which I was shocked to find was right near a house where my friend lives. I had driven past it a hundred times, never knew about it. Wow. Yeah, and it's a big Celtic cross. Lauren um, is very steeped in Celtic traditions. Mm-hmm. So that resonated with her and she left a she left a little offering and she is also perceptive. So she she said she, I felt him there and I didn't feel as though he was like for like against it, which is positive. But she also felt like he was just kind of like, well, all right. Let's see how this goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'll take. And we didn't even we didn't really think about it much more, but we were trying to, we had already planned that I would publish um, my own works in Midsummer, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. We're, and we're going to republish Lauren's book, My Man Fro- Mothman, in a second edition on March 1st. So that'll nice. be coming out soon. Yeah, it's really exciting. And we, but we really wanted to track down uh, Robert Dallas Cahill's family to see what the status of his manuscripts and the rights of the books are. So, I was back on the hunt. I went to, he, he, I mean, in addition to being like everything that he did, he was also a great historian to the point where he founded like the New England Pirate Museum, the Witch Museum, like the Witch Dungeon Museum, and uh, one other museum in Salem. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted them first. They are no longer in touch with the family. So I just kind of started going around and I was directed to the Salem Public Library and saying, would you possibly have his manuscripts or any kind of donation that he made? And she said, well, we don't have his manuscripts, but his son made a large donation of his publications recently, and we have his email. So I ended up contacting his son, who was very amenable to the idea. And his late wife, she still lives in Florida. But then it all started clicking together. So... I was talking with his son and I mean, I, I'm very pleased that they were kind of ooky spooky people and I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> um, his son said like, so when I contacted my mother about this, she had told me that she had felt my father's presence in the room before I called. Not only that, when I asked her about the file, she went into her filing cabinet, which to find the file which she hadn't seen f- since 2005 when his father died, and she pulled it out immediately. Oh, like, just there. Not only that, 
but his mother just went through LASIK eye surgery for cataracts, so she couldn't see too well at this point. Wow. So that happened, I was, and I, I'm reading this on e- through my email. I was just like, well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, just floored. Floored by that sort of thing. And then Lauren was contacted via Facebook by his daughter, who still lives um, in the area. And she she because Lauren had given an interview with uh, the Wild Hunt, which she mm-hmm. in North Carolina, so she she knows them. Those are colleagues from when she used to live there. And uh, his daughter had read that interview, got in touch with her about that, and said, "This is so exciting. We were like thinking, we were hoping to republish his book sometime soon, like within the next year." And she said. And I love the design, but the the logo, but how did you know that the room with the ghost in the window was my dad's bedroom? Oh. I about pulled my face off (laughs) (laughs) at that moment because I, the way that the logo is situated was like, it just seemed stylistically the right choice. Right. But I didn't even really think about it that way. I just put it there. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, through leaps, I mean, we're still working on this project. We've still, um, we, because this was right, drawing up to the holidays, and they um, were having some, like, just traveling and having some family things. They were trying to secure, they're still trying to find out the legality of, like, the rights, because their mother has the rights to it, to the manuscript. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to work with them. Right to uh, to republish these sometime this year, uh, or at least start the process of that. And you know, you know how projects are. I'm in. I'm a famously impatient person, and I'm really working on it. But especially when I got home, I was doing. I was running around, and like I took on a bunch of hours with some friends for retail, and you know, just kind of to take away from the fact that I was missing my boyfriend, who couldn't. He he had work conflicts, so he couldn't make it out. For Christmas this year, and which kind of worked. Like I'm a workaholic, so sometimes that can drive me to distraction. But I was kind of feeling like I hadn't heard from his daughter. Like I knew that he, she had gone down um, to visit his mother, or her, um, her mother. And I was just kind of like, oh, nothing's coming. Like I just had a bunch of things that I was waiting on a bunch of people to get moving all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, nothing's working. Why isn't it? You know, I we're so close. Why isn't it? You know, and just being very frustrated until a mutual friend of ours of Lauren's and mine, he sent us both a picture saying of a book uh, that Robert, Robert Ellis Cahill had written that is published by the original old softbox company about haunted lighthouses that his uh, brother-in-law gave him for Christmas. Oh, wow. And I was just like, thank goodness it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> We're still in the game. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just hoping that we're, I mean, we're working towards getting to that point because really his work is invaluable and we consider him a literary ancestor if anything, just for my own influence. I mean, he's one of the leading reasons why I'm such a, I was such a spooky little kid. Right. 
I would, I really would not have the interests and pursuits that I have now had I never picked up haunted happenings in the Kimball's farm gift shop. Yeah. As an eight-year-old. So that's, that's our highest goal right now. It really is. It's a passion project because I need a new generation. A new generation needs to read these. And in addition to that, we're republishing or reprinting My Friend Mothman, which is already available on Amazon if uh, anyone is interested in it. It's a YA book. It's very sweet. And Lauren's up to date on all the Mothman news. So it's current. <laughs> Excellent. Mm. And in the... Uh, we just We just had our meeting today, actually, before the new year. And I will be releasing my own work, the Preppy Witch Handbook, uh, in on June 24th in midsummer. So now I have my own deadline <laughs> to meet in addition to everything else. But it's uh, it's really exciting and we're just powering through the best we can when in these crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. And COVID times are definitely crazy. Oh, it's it's gotten crazier. I don't know. This this year in particular, I mean, I'm sure your listeners don't want to hear us talk about how insane everybody is with COVID and, you know, how difficult it's been and how nothing's really changed all that much, but people are pretending that it is. But um, yeah, when I got back to Massachusetts, I was just like, wow, did everyone lose it when I left? Like since I've been gone? Seems to be. Ugh. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to, and I was listening, your, uh, your Christmas or your, your Yule episode with Susan and Kiki. I can't wait for Kiki's new book. I know, I know, I am so excited for it. Yeah, because her, like, for Scrying in particular, I bought it because I don't know much, know that much about it. Now I know it's so, how effective it is. Yeah. But I, yeah, and I'm trying to get more. I've done tarot my whole life, but have never, like, been able to make it work properly for me, which is one of my resolutions, and I'm sh her book will certainly help with that. But just the whole conversation was so soothing. And I was like, yes, it is time to go inward. It is time to work on the book. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right. That is absolutely right. We'll come out with another one on the spring equinox. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, the another book or no, no another another episode with the three witches so yes. can't wait very exciting well thank you thank you Barbara <laughs> thank you for recording with me it your stories are fascinating and I, I look forward to hearing more uh that that room I don't like that the hidden room that's no, very I... Nancy Drew in a not very cool way <laughs> yeah yeah it's not it's not a mystery i really want to solve <laughs> yeah it's mm, yeah uh, i'll be doing something about it like i didn't have time before i left but i'm getting out the salt and putting it on that i might just put a put some salt in there figure yeah, it out yeah 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 you know if it was england or you know the uk i'd be like well it's just a priest's hole mm -hmm. that's that's okay that you expect that but we didn't have that here <laughs> we no. didn't we didn't have reformation counter-reformation all that nonsense we didn't have a reason we had uh the underground railroad mm -hmm. so maybe maybe you know that it, that if you found something like that and and you were 
you know, in the direction of the Underground Railroad. You could say that to yourself, but mm-hmm. generally in America, if there's a hidden room, there's nothing good about it. No, and my first, because I've worked in many old buildings. I have, I have another, um, I have a, another interview coming out with Strange Familiars pretty soon about my experiences in my hometown, which include an 18th and early 19th century building buildings that I've worked in. Yeah. And so I know there are hidden rooms. I know there's like, what I first thought it was when my boyfriend mentioned it was a, a coal room. Yeah. But, yeah. But he, he said, mm, it's too big. I was just like, please don't just open the wall. Yeah. That's yeah. <sighs> so TBD, we are, he, one of his goals for, this year, especially if I'm coming back in the summer, is to get um, one of those wall air conditioners put in. Mm-hmm. I'm so afraid that wall's going to come down. Mm, yeah, I'm not emotionally ready, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think he is either. Really, uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's sketchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sketchy. There was there was a time that Zach and I were looking for a house to rent when we first lived in Athens, and we wanted to move out of town and and live out in the country, which you know five minutes out of town and and Athens is country. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at this place. It was literally about fifteen minutes out of town, and it was a dark and stormy night. And we knocked on the door, and this old farmer dude who looked real sketchy answered the door and he had all of his farming implements on the table like these antique farming implements and he'd been sharpening them (laughs) and you know we really just should have turned right around and walked back to the car and said thank you no thank you you know Mm -hmm. we should have done that but we didn't and he starts taking us through the house and he said you know now up here I don't have a light bulb in, but there are lights in here, but there was a room that was within a room where he had had his brother who was different before he went to the hospital and they had somehow built the room smaller within the room. So there was like this passageway that was like two feet wide all the way around that room. And I was just like, nope. Nope. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope. Done now. Nope. So, but we didn't want to offend him because he had every sharp implement, including a giant scythe. I was like, let's get out of here soon if we can. <laughs> I, I am very much of the opinion that the paranormal scares me much less than people do. Mm-hmm. And that person really did. It was bad. It was very, it was terrible. We got to the car afterwards, and I've never seen Zach drive so fast down a dirt road in my entire life. He was just like, oh. So, yeah, we clearly we did not rent that place. Oh, certainly not. So that's why as soon as you said there's a room there that's a hidden room, I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, Mm -mm. run away, run away. (laughs) Yeah, and after this happened, I, I told my mother about it. I was talking to her on the phone, and... This is, this is how we know. My, so the way that the perception is kind of passed down in my family is definitely from my father's side. My, mm-hmm. my grandmother, who also lives with us, she 
she has a she definitely has a sensitivity in my father they ju they're just attracted to him mm -hmm. in a sort of way so it's kind of come down to me my mother is of the type where she just doesn't want to believe it right like she she's like she doesn't want to see it so whether right. or not she, i'm not sure whether or not she has sensitivity at all and my i told her that and she was like don't go in the room <laughs> No, she's right. She's right. In America, something like that's really sketchy. It's just Ugh. no good is coming to that. That's, no. Nope. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> even the idea, I mean, of course we don't have it, but even just the idea of a priest hole, I don't think I like that much. <laughs> well, no, but you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, at least explicable. Yes. Uh. Well, thank you again. Yes, thank you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. You as well. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.